The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You guys know me the longest. I'm not a bitter person or anything, am I? Sometimes. You can be a little bitter at times. <laughs> you know what bitter Nate was really good at? Was really good at... Um, Holding on to grudges? <laughs> Bitter Nate was nothing if not principled. <laughs> hey, to his were... own detriment. Where else would you rather be than right here? Right Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast and the only podcast that's telling the Jacksonville Jaguars, enjoy your trip back to Duval. I'm your host, Nate, and this is our Recap Edition podcast, where we will discuss the Bills getting revenge on the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Marone, 24-21 at New Era Field today. If you're new to our podcast, we do a post-game recap every week during the season after each Bills game, and last week, during the bye, we talked with Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports and the Buffalo News to talk draft prospects. He had great insight into which players could be there when the Bills draft in 2019, prospects to look for, and his thoughts on the current draft class, roster, and front office. So check it out. It'll be available to you guys during the season. But for this recap episode, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, are you ready to discuss this heated victory today? Hey. What a game. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so before we get into this game, a question of the day. Question of the day for you guys, for me. Um, this was clearly an emotional game for the teams on both sides today. I think much more than we thought it was going to be initially. Do you think any of it stems from the playoff game last season where the Bills lost to the Jaguars in Jacksonville? Sure, definitely. And I, I think I think part of it is also, you know, coming up against uh, Doug Marone. I know I'm not sure if any players are still left from the Marone era. Maybe Colton Schmidt, I think, was mentioned earlier in the game. Um, but th- I think that's always a factor, and definitely the, the the playoff game. Last year is last year. Like, a little bit from the playoff game, but most of it, I think, is from Jalen Ramsey talking trash, saying how 
Josh Allen is trash, right? And if you're any kind of leader and your guys, you're the starting quarterback of the team, the hopefully the locker room rallies around you. I think that's what made it the most heated or or why it was so compelling. So I I guess I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's definitely the um the trash talk from Jalen Ramsey to Josh Allen, which was kind of funny looking back. I mean, I don't know why players do this. Why would you give other players bulletin board material and just give them that extra bit of motivation? And I think it has to do with that play. I think there's a lot of Bills players on this roster that are there from that game that really wanted to send a message. I think after that game in January last year when the Bills lost, I think that they were convinced that they were still the better team. I know that they you know, went in with, with a worse record. And I know that, you know, obviously they, they, they just lost that game. They barely lost a game, but I think that, you know, had the bills been able to get any semblance of a passing game or offense, they would have easily won that game. So, um, so I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I know we've been talking a lot of draft lately and every win that we get gives us a worse draft pick. But um, I really wanted this win today against Marone and the Jaguars. And not only the fact that it was the same Jaguars team that beat us in our only playoff game in the last 18 years, or just the fact that I'm still bitter about Doug Marone leaving the job a few years ago. I mean, I guess I guess that still does make me a little bit bitter. But yeah, so I was I really wanted this win over Marone. And and I'm still bitter over him leaving. I, I I'm still bitter over Mike Malarkey leaving, and I'll always be bitter over Vontae Davis like retiring at halftime. And it was just, and I don't, I don't even like Doug Marone as a, as a coach so much. It's just the fact that he just walked out and is just, I don't know, in the middle of the, he was in the middle of a contract. He's like, no, I'm just going to take the money and leave. And it was just like, what? We just had this amazing owner come in. He's going to keep the town in Buffalo. Like everything's trending up. And then he left. So I just really wanted this win more than, more than maybe even a division win division victory. So, um, general thoughts on the game guys, what were you thinking? Because, um, this was Josh Allen's first start in four games. And I know the stats aren't amazing. I mean, some of the stats are pretty good for him, obviously. And, uh, and I thought that he did exactly what you want your franchise quarterback to do to lead you into victory. He made plays when he had to, and he threw the ball where he had to. And sure, it wasn't amazing, but he finally started connecting on some deep passes, which he hadn't really done in the beginning of the season. He started climbing the pocket. And um, the Jaguars still a very good defense, a very good pass defense. And I thought he had a, he had a great game. And the defense, again, was unbelievable. Um, in, in some aspects, they definitely gave up a ton of rushing yards. And that was a huge detriment um, to this team uh, defensively, but they still it didn't it didn't end up mattering in the end, and the Bills were able to pull off the win. So, what about you guys, John? John, what were some of your general thoughts on on today's victory? Yeah, a lot of it you you already said. I mean, uh, Josh Allen um, first came back from injury, played really well, um, two hundred fifty nine yards uh, rushing and passing, two touchdowns. Uh, played really well, and then you touched on the run defense. Obviously, that that was a, a big detriment, um, and they got lucky that Fournette got ejected. <laughs> um, and then I also wanted to mention the offensive line. You know, like there was that five-minute stretch where they had like three or four penalties that were just like, you know, it's third down, Josh Allen, oh, first down, oh, no, it was a penalty, oh, another first down, nope, that's a penalty too, and it's just, uh, it was just awful. 
Yeah, penalties were a huge killer today. What about you, Mike? What do you think? It just feels completely different with a competent quarterback back there. I mean, all aspects of the game. It didn't feel, while the game did hang in the balance, Almost, I mean, right down to the end, it felt like the Bills were going to win. Um, like Josh Allen, it it felt like he took over the game with the long passes down the field, be it to Robert Foster, right, with a 75-yard touchdown, or making plays with his legs. Like, you just felt like he was going to win the game. Yeah, overcoming a lot of you know, issues and weaknesses, including the wide receiving core, which we know isn't a strength for this team. And, you know, the offensive line, which was, which really didn't give Allen a ton of time today in a lot of different areas. And and they had a lot of penalties, like you said, John, they were just, you know, ineligible guys got downfield holding um, just, you know, every, every time it felt like Josh Allen was taking a step forward, they were trying to drag him back, you know? Um, and still, still though, I mean, he fought, he's clearly an emotional leader of this team. Um, as you can see by the guys when he scores and something that I don't necessarily know that they've had in the past, like him, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick, I guess I can kind of see that. I think the guys really love Ryan. Um, but I don't know if he was the same kind of leader that Josh is. I think Ryan was more of one of the guys, and I think Josh is too, but I think that they rally around him, and they play a lot harder as a team around him. Um, so speaking of you know uh, the defense giving up a, lo- a lot of yardage today um, on the ground, let's go into our stats and numbers of the game, brought to you by our Public store, which is having its Cyber Monday sale tomorrow. Um, check out our Bills gear at tpublic.com slash store slash ctwpod um, for our trust the process and the dr- end of the drought playoff graph and our uh, Circling the Wagons podcast logo. So a lot of cool stuff there. So stats of the game, Josh Allen's stats. He was 8 for 19 for 160 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. So not an amazing stat line, but again, didn't have to be amazing today against a very good Jacksonville pass defense. Um, But the more important stat is that Josh Allen had 13 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. And um, that's actually uh, 99 yards rushing in a game is the most of any Bills quarterback in the history of the Bills franchise. And he also had the longest pass play by a Bills rookie quarterback. So that was that 75-yard bomb to Robert Foster in the first quarter. So, um, and, and, and just kind of like an off the board stat for Josh Allen today is he had the highest air yards per attempt with 18.3, which is the most in a single game by a quarterback since 2016. So he's beating out guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Deshaun Watson, um, with that stat. So a great game for Josh Allen all around. Um, you know, and again, again, we don't expect him to be necessarily Aaron Rodgers at this point, but this progress, this ability to take these steps and go in a positive direction instead of other quarterbacks where we've had come in recently and continue to take steps back in a, in a negative way. Um, the next leading rusher besides uh, Josh Allen was LaShawn McCoy, 17 carries for 46 yards, um, leading receiver for the bills today, Robert Foster again. Last game against the Jets, it was Robert Foster. Today, it was Robert Foster. Two receptions, 94 yards, one touchdown. Um, Next leading receiver for the Bills is Calvin Benjamin. One reception for 32 yards. That that Basically, that one big play he had where he stiff-armed Jalen Ramsey after the catch and kind of got a few yards after the catch. That might have been Calvin Benjamin's best play 
as a Bills wide receiver, I think. And he almost fumbled it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Still, still though, even <laughs> even that, that might have ended up being his uh, his best. He almost wanted to snatch defeat from that certain victory, that amazing play. Oh, uh, SMH, right? SMH. Um, on the Jaguar side of the ball, Blake Bortles had a very Blake Bortles-like game. He was 12 for 23, 127 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. Um, Leonard Fournette was just dominating the game on the ground, um, rushing. 18 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns. He had a 5.3 yard per carry average until he eventually got ejected for throwing, uh, trying to throw haymakers on Shaq Lawson. Um, leading receiver for the Jaguars, D. Westbrook, three receptions for 44 yards and one touchdown. And then uh interesting stat is the Bills had three sacks today and the Jaguars had none. The team that was called Saxonville last year had zero sacks today. So uh, another another great stat for the game is the Bills had no fumbles or interceptions today. So huge, no turnovers. So great game by the Bills all around. Um, so yeah, is there anything else you guys wanted to add for that for for stats of the game? All right. Um, let's... How about a stat for punts inside the five yard line? Yeah. Like the the Bills, his I would say historically, are terrible at punting. Like it either goes into the end zone, or it's returned pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> like no the Bills are not good at downing it inside the 10 or the five and today we saw a couple of of nice punts and and uh special teams got down there to down them yeah i'd say their special teams has been very lacking um for the most part the last few years and that and that today they actually did it a few times yeah that was kind of nice to see mike i agree there was uh there was a welcome sight to see a player down there when the ball actually hit the ground <laughs> normally they're scrambling they're completely getting blocked so it doesn't matter so um agreed Good call. Um, so let's talk of about some plays of the game that stood out to you. Um, obviously, we talked about that 75-yard pass from Josh Allen to Robert Foster um, to go up 14 to nothing in the first quarter. On that play, Allen is throwing the ball, and he gets sandwiched by three different Jacksonville Jaguars. On that play, it was a great play not only to throw the ball where it needed to be, to find the open receiver, but also to... to, to to know that there was going to be an oncoming collision, but being ready to take it. That's something you can definitely say for Josh Allen is he's not afraid, maybe to his detriment, he's not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid for any contact, which is kind of nice to see. Um, there was that uh, Matt Milano INT before the end of the half um, that ended up uh, stopping the Jaguars from uh, getting into field goal range when it was 14-14. Um, it was huge. And then not only that, um, of course, right during that play, um, Mamelano had a great return back to, I think it was like the Jaguars 30 or something. They were already within field goal range. And then Jerry Hughes had that block in the back penalty to uh, negate that amazing return. So another, um, we're going to talk a lot about some penalties that really killed the pills in the next few minutes. Um, that was one of them. Uh, the bills, I don't know if you guys remember this. The Bills made a huge third and one stop. You know, this is this is kind of a, a recurring theme too. The Bills made a huge third and one stop against Jacksonville to force a fourth down in the third quarter where they sacked Blake Bortles. And then they find out that the uh on the punt, the Bills had too many men on the field. <laughs> 
to give Jacksonville a uh, a first down. And then there was another Taron Johnson uh, had a holding call that kept the drive alive on a third down sack in the third quarter. That would have made uh, that would have gave the Jags a. a would have made them punt basically. Um, there's a couple of instances of, of them just doing that, just kicking themselves, you know, after a great stop to make it fourth down or whatever. There was that okay, so so obviously one of the biggest plays of the game, one of the ones that got national media attention was the uh the brawl, right? So there was a big fight between Bill's players, and basically it stemmed from um Dante Moncrief's almost touchdown over Levi Wallace. Now, Blake Bortles um, in the third quarter, basically just tosses this this ball up, and Dante Moncrief is like basically catching the ball over the back of Levi Wallace, who's not looking for the ball whatsoever, and uh, they fall down at the one. But they both had the ball in their in their arms, <laughs> in the end zone area. So you're like, well, you know, who has the ball? So all of the players from both sides of the team are coming over, and then of course some pushing and shoving ensues, and it gets pretty heated, and then all of a sudden, you know. Uh, Shaq Lawson is shoving Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is shoving Shaq Lawson. And then, you know, Fournette takes a swing at Shaq Lawson, and then it just, like, breaks out. There's guys tackling each other. People are rolling around on the ground. I mean, it's getting it's getting pretty, uh, pretty crazy. A flag gets thrown out. Guys get ejected. And really, it ended up being a huge play of the game because not only do players get ejected and, and everything like that, but... Um, the Bills end up stopping. He didn't. Moncrief doesn't end up getting a touchdown. He ends up getting down at like the one yard line. The Bills defense makes some amazing stops to force the Jaguars to to like take a field goal at like the twenty yard line, and then they end up missing that field goal. You know, in the third, which was huge because that would have given them the lead. So, um, so there was there was a lot of huge plays, a lot of game changing plays in that drive. I don't know about you guys, but I I like to see. This kind of team that that's willing to stick up for each other, that's willing to fight back. How many times have we seen other Bills players just kind of roll over? Their guy gets hit or whatever, and nobody cares. Nobody ever defends anyone. You know, it's just uh, this is this is uh, the kind of defense in a team that that really made you. I don't know. It got me fired up just watching it. What about you guys? Yeah, absolutely. There was a definitely a. I thought the turning point of the game for sure. The defense played with a lot more fire after that. Um, obviously. We're not getting ejected helped a lot. And then one other thing to factor in too is there the Jaguars starting left guard got injured too shortly after that. And I think that helped a lot also. That was the play of the game. Shaq Lawson should get a game ball for that. Like, <laughs> should he get kicked out? He I don't <clears throat> I think it should be the guy that throws the punches. Yeah, right. Right, I, which is Fournette. I don't know what Shaq Lawson had to do with it. <laughs> I don't right? know. Right. Like I, I guess he put his hands up to defend himself. I didn't see him really throwing punches back, but that seems I think I think it's questionable. Yeah, questionable. But, uh, but a trade the Bills would make any day of the week, right? It was great. Definitely yeah. the turning point. Yeah, you 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 take one of your starting or rotational defensive ends for the their star running back anytime, but that run offense was not the same after that. They could not get the ball. They were getting stuffed behind the line, which is something that just wasn't happening um, in the first three quarters of the game. So all of a sudden, you know, for sure, the turning point. It was a Gettysburg. It was, it was It was funny how Shaq Lawson just kept going, too, into the tunnel, <laughs> into the tunnel. like walking walking on the sideline. He wanted a man. He wanted a piece of a man. What even happened? Wasn't Fournette on the sideline before that play even started? Like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, John, because Sal Capaccio tweeted out, a photo of that play starting on TV and Leonard Fournette is on the sidelines 
taking a knee with his helmet off. So literally, he came from across the field, down the field, to get into that fight for that for that play, which is, is that a uh, a suspension? I know it's at least an ejection, but I think you might get suspended for doing that. I'm not sure. We'll see. Probably not. So that was huge. That was, like, like John mentioned, the turning point of the game, I'm sure. Allen hits Foster deep on another play and open. Foster gets laid out, but not only does he catch the ball, um, they get the 15-yard penalty. They they march towards the end zone, and Allen runs for that touchdown to get the lead in the 21-14 at that point in the fourth quarter. And then from there, it was just it was the end of the ball game. The Bills held on to the lead. And, uh, and yeah, he, it was a great game. Poyer had an INT later on that game, and Allen had a really good rush. It didn't end up going for points, but he had a 45-yard game, so a uh, gain on one one of the runs. So yeah, it was really it was really cool to see this uh this offense just change completely from Matt Barkley last week or 2 weeks ago to Josh Allen this week and uh yeah. I mean, it makes you feel good for the future of this team if you can get plays like this and imagine next year if we can give, you know, a few more weapons to Josh Allen and a and a little bit more time in the pocket. Imagine what he can do with it, you know? Yeah, sir. I just just a couple more plays that, yep. that I thought of. Um, one, one, the, the one touchdown to McKenzie, the little, the, the, uh, play call from Dable. I thought that was really good. And, uh, I thought that was a good use of McKenzie too. I think he, uh, he had a pretty good game. Um, and, uh, they ran a flea flicker again. It was a complete, <laughs> I, I love flea flickers. <laughs> they should run at least one flea flicker a game, right? Maybe one a quarter. How about that? How about one per drive? <laughs> at least one flea flickers are the best. Not a, not used enough. So what do you guys say about, um, because obviously Brian Dable went into a lot of criticism for his play calling in the past. Um, I think some of it may have just having to do with his personnel with maybe Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson as quarterback. I thought, um, like you mentioned, John, that, that Isaiah McKenzie play was great. He had, he had a wide open run to, you know, Pater for that first touchdown. And I think, I think as the season goes on and uh, Honestly, Sean McDermott's even being more aggressive with his fourth downs and third down plays um, than he has been in the past. I've been really impressed with uh, Dable's play calling and taking advantage of the limited weapons that he has. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I really liked his uh, aggressiveness over the last few games as well. I like the helm the, in terms of aggressiveness, the Hail Mary at the end of the half, which was nice to see for a change. Yeah, that's something in, in the past, definitely they would have just kneeled the ball or done a draw play or whatever. Remember, it was like third and 25, and even the announcers were like, this is going to be a draw play. This is where you do a you know run up the middle, and Josh Allen still threw it for a long, and it was almost, I, it wasn't a first down, was it? I believe it was almost a first down. No, I think it was, it was incomplete, but the fact oh. that they actually tried to get the first down was, was nice. Yeah. And refreshing. And he wasn't passing, even though it was like for third and 25, he wasn't passing it to like the 10 yard line. Like he was passing it to like the 20 yard, you know, 20 yards past the line of scrimmage or closer at least to the first down marker than in the past. Like we've always said on this podcast, instead of like when it's like third and long or third and 13 or whatever, instead of passing it to the six yard line and a comeback route where the guy has absolutely no chance of getting the first down, it was actually, you know, a play where it could have ended up having a first down. All right. So let's go into. Our wall of famer portion of the game. So we reserve every week. We give somebody that we thought had a great game in the victory or defeat. We place them on our wall of fame for the game. So week 11 or week 12 game versus Jacksonville Jaguars. John, who do you have on your wall of fame? Josh Allen for all the reasons uh, mentioned previously. Josh Allen gets the vote for John. Mike, what about you? Same. 
<laughs> That's it. What do you want him to say? Josh Allen. They looked like a completely different team with him at the quarterback spot. Yeah, yeah. I like Josh Allen too. But as much as I like Josh Allen and I was glad to have him back and I thought that he was, again, what we wanted to see for the last six games where hopefully he finishes out the last six games of the season. We wanted to see progress. We wanted to see him moving in the right direction as a quarterback, as a leader of this team. My wall of fame has to go to Kyle Williams, who, again, is just having... An amazing season. The guy doesn't look like his age. He's not playing his age. He had four tackles today, one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss. He was constantly in the backfield getting pressure, making important plays. And the guy, I mean, I I know we mentioned this on a previous podcast because we know he's a free agent after this season. I would love to have him back on a one-year contract before he retires. It's probably unlikely. But guys like that, guys that just... They just come week in and week out and are just huge leaders on your team, emotional leaders, and obviously leaders that, that lead by their athletic ability and the play on the field. It's just It just amazes me. Him and Lorenzo Alexander had a great game too, again, by the way. I mean, those guys, I just I don't know if they're taking the, the, the same supplements or whatever, but they're just they're having amazing seasons for, for their age and, and you know where they are in their career. And, and it's just it's just great. I really hope they both come back. One more season. Unlikely, but, you know, I guess we can hope. So, okay. So even though the Bills had a great win, it was a great win against an AFC opponent, against the Jaguars, against Doug Marone. Um, There's still some people that didn't have a great game, some players that didn't have a great game, some coaching staff or whatever. Um, Let's talk wall of shame. So, John, wall of shame. Who would you put on your wall of shame for today's game? Even though it was a victory, someone that didn't really come through like they should have. I might just... I might just throw lump the whole offensive line on it. They had a bunch of penalties combined. Couldn't get LaShawn McCoy going. Josh Allen had a scramble for 100 yards. Um, So, yeah, I'll go with the line. Good one. What about you, Mike? Calvin Benjamin. (laughs) Has he ever not made your wall of shame? I think every week. He's a a wide receiver one. He's not. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, by definition, I guess. In theory, he is, but definitely not by his play on the field. I'd like to see the snap count after this game to see how many snaps he's getting. I feel like he's not. I feel like they're phasing him out on the offense. The ever famous. Uh, I feel like he's kind of taken over. Remember last year, our wall of shame was like Mike Tolbert every week. It seemed like, and now this week, it's it, this this season. It's just Calvin Benjamin. I think mine has to be um, just dumb penalties by the defense. And I know the defense had a really good game. You know, overall, they had some great turnovers and they got pressure. And even though the run defense wasn't great, it was it was pretty bad today. But just, you know, penalties at inopportune times and just really costing points and changes of possession and whatever, you know, it's just that just killed them today. And luckily, it didn't end up costing them the game, but it easily could have. Especially, you know, that fourth down when Eddie Yarborough couldn't get off the field on the punt. And I and I don't know if that's Eddie Yarborough or if that's coaching. I want to say that's coaching because I don't think Danny Crossman is that good of a special teams coach. I, th- I think that that unit as a whole has been lacking this season. I guess any final thoughts on the game? I know that you know this is this is a huge win, John. You're mentioning you mentioned before the podcast the Bills are still in the hunt. They're still in the playoff hunt. They could win out and they still might be able to make it. I saw some tweets 
online about, you know, the Bills uh, still being, they're actually in the hunt playoff graphic, which is great. They're at the end of it, but they're still in the hunt, at least. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mentioned after the Jets game, they, I mean, they, they only have one opponent left on their schedule that has a winning record and most of their games are at home. Um, I, I, they have a shot. So they can go nine and seven and make playoffs. Nine and seven to make the playoffs. So they're four and seven right now. They have five games left. Three of those are at home. And the only game that's against a winning team is against the Patriots, correct? Yep. It's in New England, which for some reason in recent years, they play better in New England than in Buffalo. It seems like at least maybe the Patriots don't need to win that game. We'll see any given Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love that the Bills are still in it after having that, that bad of a start. Yep. Tweet of the day was brought to us by International Smith. You tweeted at us. Um, by the way, if you guys aren't following us on Twitter, you should. Um, we're at CTW Pod, just, just like circling the wagons, Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod. We usually tweet every game day, so find us there. Um, he wrote, ended the game in cautious mode, but got the win. I think I'm happier seeing, uh, he calls Doug Marone moron. Moron, take the L. Hashtag go Bills. Um, do, do, am I... Am I the only one that was happy to see Doug Marone lose today? I mean, did you guys care, or is it like water under the bridge for you guys? No, I'm very happy that he lost. I personally don't care. Like, if he didn't want to be here, like, good luck in your next thing. Who cares? It is my personal. I understand I might be in the minority, but you'd want people who want to be here, right? And if he doesn't, move on. It was a little gratifying to see he thought he was going to walk into another head coaching job yes. and then had to become an offensive line assistant or whatever he was like that was a little that was awesome that was the best yeah that was all right <laughs> um but it's like if if you got a better job offer and left your job would you want everybody like oh screw him he sucks like no like good luck whatever if it's not the best situation for you do what you got to do but that's the thing you didn't have a better job offer he's just like i just don't want to be part of this organization i just quit but i would rather knew, be unemployed like, change of ownership and come on like he well, could have easily been shown the door. He thought he was doing better by for himself and his family, I'm sure. Go ahead, John. No, I'm good. No, uh, whatever, John. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think he just took the money and run. That's all he did. He took the money and run. He did. He did. Well, new ownership. Well, there was nothing to say, though, that he wouldn't keep his job. I think that they, the Pagulas had said they planned on keeping the current coaching staff. And based on how they were as Sabres owners, they just, they kept the current regime in, in process, or in, in the, in the stadium so that they could continue it might have on with out perfectly for everybody in hindsight. Like, yes. he, it was, it for sure. But it was more of like the, uh, the, you can't, you, you know, it's like, you don't break up with me. I break up with you. Like, that's not how this works. Like you're not the one that leaves us, you know, like you have, especially after you just had a nine and seven season, and it was just uh, like I don't get it. I don't get why you would why you would leave again. You could I, potentially know that it was a fluke or heading in the wrong direction. Like after that, the bottom kind of fell out. Yeah, Kyle Orton did retire right after that, that like last game when they went nine and seven. Like Sammy Watkins sucks. <laughs> yeah, he was having like visible like like verbal altercations on the practice field with like Russ Brandon and Doug Whaley at the time. And he's like, I don't want to work with these guys. You know, he could have just looked at the front office and like life is short, right? Like you kind of have to like who you're working with or he, he was going to get paid anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I guess it was just like his aunt. I don't know. It's hard for me to crush a guy for he obviously thought he was doing best for himself and his family. Like if if like we obviously love the Bills, grew up with them. It's like completely different. It'd be like, oh, if you went to coach the the well, Niners, right? Like you don't care about that organization. You have no real loyalty to them. While you're there, you're gonna try your best, but it's not like you you bleed. Is it, can I say red or what is their special red? Gold it has a special name. It's like scarlet what? red. I think it's scarlet red. Magenta? Magenta? Yeah. I don't know. It's not like you bleed those colors, right? It's just, it was a job. Yeah. 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 True. True. I know. I know he's not like us, but still, still, still bothers me. I know you have something you want to say, John. Go ahead. No, I'm good. I, I've, I've, all, I've said all I had to say. You're right. We I both can't. know you want You got to say something. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I just fact-checking something and i was wrong in my thoughts so I'm not, there's nothing to say so i mean i think with doug marone and I, and again reason why i'm glad that he's gone is because i think his message doesn't hold up with pro football players as well as it does with college football players because i think i think you can say a lot of different things to kids when their scholarships are on the line and when their livelihoods and their possible futures are on the line as opposed to grown men who have contracts that have guaranteed money and that don't have to listen to you if they don't want to. Because some of them, if they're good enough, will outlast you as a coach. I think that's how he's always going to be as a coach, Doug Marone, because he's not going to change his mentality. That's who he is. He's probably one of those guys that's great at college football. You know, some guys just can't translate. And I think he's one of them. And I think you're seeing it this season because I, I don't think they've lost a lot of talent from last season. They're just a lot worse team. And I think it goes back to coaching. So the next game for the Buffalo Bills is against the 5-6 and six Miami Dolphins in Miami next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Signing off for John. Squish the fish. For Mike. Go Bills. What a game. And for me, Nate Duval. 4-7, and seven, going to 9-7. and seven. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.